Now on Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. As much as she's probably the biggest jockey superstar in world racing, if you factor everything in, she hasn't won one of the big four. So I think she's probably thinking, I'd probably like to win one or two of the big four before I think about something that might be hard to return from. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. Uh, it is time for RSN's Racing Editor, Maddie Stewart, to bring us up to date with all of the racing news around Australia. And, uh, Maddie, just before we get stuck into the really big news stories, it was very sad yesterday, the news that you broke at the start of the verdict with Tony the King Burke. And a little later in the program, one of Tony's great mates and yours as well, uh, Brian uh, the Drum Meldrum, <laughs> will be on to give us some life and times stories of Tony Burke and what it was like to work with him as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, my former boss drum and a really good mate of Tony Burke's and a a similar vintage as well. And no one can rekindle great yarns like drums. So that'll be very, uh, very interesting to hear about the... I think the stories on the road are the ones that were the the best ones. So we've got the drum on the king. Where where did the drum's nickname come from? Mel Drum. Right, I'm with you now. Okay, <laughs> you just had a you just had a blonde moment. I did. Sadly, it's a grey moment. Hey, uh, what is what was your nickname around the corridors of the Herald Sun? Uh, Stuart, really, <laughs> with an exclamation mark. Stuart, get in here now. Was my uh... water tank got a run, didn't it? No, that was uh, that was uh, Bluey Troner had uh, go driving through the Wimmera. Hey, um. I thought, well done to Maddie Welsh yesterday for coming in and, and saying, ask me whatever you want. Will you bowl it up and I'll answer the questions as well as I can about... We finally got a little bit more clarity, a little bit more information of the background yep. as to why the push was and the want is to rejig the spring carnival. What were some of your major takeouts of the chat? We spoke briefly about it yesterday afternoon, but after going back, having another listen and being able to distill everything that was said, What's your major takeout? Why don't we go to the first grab, and we might just talk off the back of the grabs. So the first one uh, is about the proposed schedule. Schedule optimisation is an absolute focus for us at, at Racing Victoria, and it's an absolute focus for all sports that are succeeding. You see it, you know, constantly. AFL's constantly evolving its schedule. Cricket's constantly evolving its schedule. Golf... That is where the upside comes from. That's where there's opportunities to engage new fans. So, you know, it needs to be a focus. And that turnaround into the Festival of Racing, of course, uh, will continue to monitor. So, basically, I think what they're saying is they are aware of the potential hazards, like how it might impact the Festival of Racing, which is the autumn and so on, but haven't yet kind of got their head around whether it will impact uh, the autumn or not. So that was that one. Uh, the other one was the idea of if you push it back into, in inverted commas, clear air, then the opportunity to improve, increase the audience uh, is is a major plus for this idea. I know there's been you know, probably the Cox Plate move back into later November is one that's garnered a lot of media attention. But yeah, we've looked at a, a range of different options of how we could potentially enhance our spring carnival and improve engagement um, from, you know, our racing our racing um, fans are really engaged. We, we need to attract new 
uh, new people to the sport each and every year. And so that's the real goal of looking at looking at our current schedule. And um, we've canvassed feedback from a, a range of different um, stakeholders. So you've got um, wagering service providers, uh, media partners. Um, they've all identified um, November as being a, a period of great opportunity. There's obviously very little competition from other sports. Okay, so the the key words are like potentially. So the, the they are hoping that this move will spark some sort of greater uh, involvement uh, from the outside world in racing in this in this new space. It was interesting. Turf Daly, who's a, a responded to Paul Tattnall's story, basically saying, "Look, he, the Turf Daly doesn't understand the push. Uh, if the magic Xanadu in late November truly exists, and in brackets, no evidence suggests it does." Why not test it first by creating new feature race days to prove the gap exists instead of diminishing a proven and established product? So that's a bit of a, a negative sentiment against those ideas. But uh, I think Matt and Andrew Jones uh, should be commended for thinking outside the box. Um, but so they... the, the want is they want to have another premium race day or two, three premium race days that flow after... Melbourne Cup week instead of going to provincial standalone country cups because the turnover and the fan engagement they say is not as strong. It drops a lot. Turnover, we know that. Crowds in those areas are, are quite good but not the same focus and emphasis of continued city premium racing over that spring carnival. Now, if that does transpire, the only way you'll know is if it actually happens and you do put these big race days on whether it does ultimately end up being a cox plate or i thought it was interesting that matt said that there are new races these pop-up races but he said i'm keeping my cards close to my chest i'm not going to give you any information but there are new races which will be unveiled i think you can take that to the bank how much they're worth what type of races we don't know and they will probably be placed on those days i would imagine well, that takes us to the third audio grab where all of these things, all these balloons in the air that we don't have any conclusive answers for, where there's a bit of a timeline for it? I'd say end of the month is, is you know the deadline. There's a range of RV board meeting and then the two respective club committee meetings towards the back end of February where all this will come to fruition. Uh, a range of recommendations will be put forward, either you know, remain as is, make a few changes, and uh, ultimately that'll be communicated by the end of the month or, or early in March. And I think that's obviously what everyone now needs is, you know, speculating about pop-up races and th- gap fillers and, you know, what surrounds perhaps a move for the Cox Plate. There's also the Mooney Valley Racing Club that still needs to tick it off or it won't happen. And the Melbourne Racing Club. The, the, they are having potentially the Thousand Giddies moved mm. and other races moved. They've been pretty quiet, MRC, which is unusual. They normally like to get out and mm. give their viewpoint, but there's been very little coming from the MRC. Michael Brow's been on the front foot saying, we're open to it if, mm. if we can get some guarantees and certain... Um, you know, um, maybe extra prize money for a Cox Plate and other things. But we haven't heard much from the MRC. Yeah, interesting approach from Mooney Valley too. The idea of using this race as a bit of a bargaining chip. It's sort of, I don't, I'm not sure everyone would feel good about that, that, that that's the role that the Cox Plate should have, um, you know, if it's to move dates. But I think the the, the main one is the Cox Plate and the, and the only sign-off required is probably the Mooney Valley Racing Club. So the rest of them, the Thousand Guineas and that, I don't think anyone would care that much. I think this is the one that people are really thinking about. So, 
Uh, look, you know, we're, do- we're going to know in the next few weeks, and that's the bottom line. Um, we have discussed it heavily, so um, I think the in- the good thing now is that the answers will be coming within 14 days, 15, you know, three weeks. So and the timeline is there; it's been set. So, um, and we'll we'll be able to hopefully get a little bit more insight next week when we're at the Asian Racing Conference, which is being yep. held here in Melbourne. We'll get to speak to the likes of Brian Kruger, um, Hong Kong. Uh, and other Asian major racing executives as yep. well, which have a say in the, the overall pattern of um, racing in this jurisdiction. So it'll be interesting to see what their responses are. And the head of the BHA is going to be there as well. There's so much going on in England at the moment. There's desperation to get crowds back to the races with dropping dress codes and all sorts of things and the, the affordability checks. So it will be fascinating to hear from the BHA about some of the fascinating things that are going on there and the pressure points and so on. So... Speaking of overseas, um, you had a really interesting chat to the Godolphin vet Ben Mason yesterday, and we were a bit, bit one out here, weren't we, with this the onerous vet checks uh, for the Melbourne Cup, and we know that that's had a automatic, a very quick effect on numbers and backlash from the likes of Aidan O'Brien and Joseph O'Brien and so on. But um, it, we may not be Robinson Crusoe there. Uh, this is what Ben Mason said to you about uh, the Breeders' Cup in America. The Breeders' Cup organizing committee are asking them now how did we do it or how did they do it how did the team do it and what did they use and they're looking at implementing a similar program over in america really with the ct the standing ct they they've had a they've had a quite a an alarming rate of injured horses obviously coming across the pond from england and they want to basically they've got their trot ups they've got their screening in place already but they want to up the ante so they've looked at us as a benchmark in Melbourne, or not us, but Racing Victoria, um, as a benchmark in Melbourne. So I, I think that internationally, I think we just have to be very mindful these horses are racing in different jurisdictions, different surfaces, different training techniques, and they're coming to our surfaces and they're not necessarily adapted to it. That's pretty significant because it's hard for, for us to get them when the Breeders' Cup's an alternative and it's even harder for us to get them when the Breeders' Cup's an easier mm place to get to so veterinary ones O'Briens and other european trainers who have been who have been so outspoken uh against the ct scans and the severe veterinary protocols in their mind that have been put in place for the melbourne cup and have said we're not coming back we'll go to america instead we'll go elsewhere may find that because of the world-class leading veterinary protocols put in place by yeah. victoria the breeders cup and other jurisdictions will now implement them as well. I, th- I think Racing Victoria would be very, very pleased to hear such um, comments and, you know, they need rightly to get the kudos to say, you know what, we made a very tough decision and we stood firm on that and now others may start to follow. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think inter- it's... Yeah, sorry, yeah. it was interesting to follow up that Ben Mason is going up to look after the internationals who are heading to Sydney for the Autumn Carnival and I think Joseph O'Brien's got three or four heading up there. William Haggis has got two or three... They are hopeful of getting Japanese runners here because there are no safety protocols. There are no um, hoops that the internationals need to jump through. And I said to Ben Mason, I said, are you happy with that? And he said, no, not at all. Mm. It's a game of Russian roulette. He said, we need one international to break down and then it would be straight away. They will bring in these protocols, which Racing New South Wales have kind of lauded over Racing Victoria to say, hey, look how hard they make it for you. Don't worry about going to Melbourne. Come to us. We'll let you in. So we never hope a horse breaks down. But if it does, there may be a very quick change in their stance. Well, and that's the other thing about this Cox Plate potential move too, is if uh, 
New South Wales not a, not only jump into that date, uh, but they jump with a with a Cox Plate replica, but jump into it without the hoops for the internationals. And there's always been a strong sig. There's already been strong signalling from Joseph O'Brien, William Haggis, and others that they are targeting Sydney in the autumn. So it's certainly on their radar. There's no doubt about that. Now there's a second grabby from Ben Mason regarding the amount of times horses race per year. Yeah, this was interesting as well. We're talking about the maybe shorter amount of time between spring and autumn if these changes occur. And I said, from a veterinary point of view, when you work with the best horses in the land, does it make a difference? And Ben said this about how many times the A-grade horses should race a year. So the top horses should race eight times a year. Um, eight times a year? Yep. In the top the top grades. That's that would be that'd be a, a normal statistic. Um, so they can, in Group One level they can race that sort of sort of level of racing they should be able to do. Um, so backing them up, so two weeks, two weeks, three weeks break. Spelling periods that they would have would be three months if they did. Then back into training, and then off off to the next carnival. It really, the dates would would be interesting. There is so much Group One racing, if not in Australia, around the world now to choose from because you can extend your spring and go to Hong Kong with your horse. You can go to the Japan Cup with your horse, so extending that time in. Um, but between the two carnival periods, I think the trainers will be able to basically mix and match and work the horses. Oh, yep, yeah, you're in this race, this race early. You finish here on Cox Plate Day, and then we're going to start you on this day. I think they can work their schedules out. Mm. Well, that's interesting too. In this big jigsaw puzzle about this Cox Plate move, right? I was talking to a champion jockey yesterday. Um, we were talking about how they'd all peaked by Champions Day. Animo, Private Eye, all of them. Nature Strip, the big ones. So, and then you think about the autumn with all the irresistible prize money and you think about the Cox Plate used to be a grand final, say fourth run in, then uh, we'll stretch it to fifth run in to the... And then what do you do to... So what I'm saying is, according to Ben Mason, the Godolphin vet, if they're too restricted to eight times a year, plonking a race at a different time and expecting people to hang around after they've had three or four runs in the autumn. Because the culmination would be Champions Day now, not Cox Plate where it was. So if if his belief is shared by a lot of trainers and they think, well, we don't want to run more than eight times a year, if that's optimum, well, then adding another race is... Well, the trainers reshape their campaigns. Now, every horse is different, but I thought that's mm. fascinating. Yeah. Your, um, your elite horses to race at their optimum they're not machines. You can get eight good runs mm. from a physiological point of view, a welfare point of view, and you know it changes from horse to horse. But usually, that's probably what your standard is mm. to have horses racing at their best against the best in a twelve-month period. So, you've got your top trainers who will then be working out where they can place these horses best. And there are so many options. From mm. now, we've got the Winter Carnival in Queensland. There's big money prize money there as well. So it'll be choosing your pick a path where you want to go and there will be races that will diminish in quality because of that i can't get my head around how the might and power is going to be as revel uh, um relevant if the cox plate does move because that's a long way no. away from a cox plate well when i was having a chat to matt welsh yesterday he was his view is that the pathways are better if a cox plate's around the end of november which hopefully they there can will be some pathways that do work out mm. better but uh, there'll be some races that don't. Right. So anyway, time no, will tell. No. Now, you've got some big news, Re, um, one of your favourite horses, yeah. Jigsaw. Jigsaw's hasn't accept, it will, won't be or hasn't accepted for the Rubiton on Saturday. Um, they have um, had a bit of a change, change, of, change back to the original plan, and it's now 
pretty much locked in that Jigsaw run the Oakley Plate. Right. He's a fifteen dollar chance, I think, in latest markets. So it's a, it's a good price in an Oakley Plate for Jigsaw. Yeah, I think they were going to stick to the formula that had worked, and that was a three week gap, and that, that that's what that. William Reed still on the agenda? I think so. If if. All but you know, it all depends on one run at a time. If he, you know, he's had a bit of a busy summer preparation, so he's probably getting closer to the end than the start. So, um, yep, Oakley Plate uh, is now uh, the race that they are now identifying. She's Extreme's done a tendon, uh, the Oaks winner, the former very good two year old. She's out. There was an interesting race at Musselbrook during the week, and we were going to do something on it yesterday, but we kind of ran out of time. But the story's become a lot more interesting because. There was a shock result at Musselbrook on Monday when a 200-to-1 chance set up an amazing lead and and hung on to win. And it was very similar to the race that we had from uh, England uh, the previous week at Newcastle where the owner jockey um, got out and won. So interesting situation, though. But uh, what's happened now is that the stewards have revisited it and they're um, seeking questions uh, of the jockeys about tactics and so on. So this is the race. Anyway, this is the audio of uh, Enthralled winning at Big Odds. Thanks, the Enzo Sapphire Sun. Pinky starting to wind up, and Oakfield Warpainter is trying to get out of traffic just behind them. Uh, down towards the 200. Uh, Enthralled in front still by about six lengths. Sapphire Sun and Pinky whacking away on the outside. Enthralled in front. This will lead all the way. Enthralled. It'll hold on, I think. Yep. Just, enthralled, just beat Sapphire Sun. No conclusions yet from the stewards, but they did haul a few jockeys in. Uh, uh... So it was ridden by Natasha Hall Antonio, uh, trained by Natasha Hall Antonio. It was 200 to 1. And uh, apprentice jockey um, Camille Hallgate, uh, I yep. think it was, um, led by up to 10 lengths and hung on to win. At its previous start... Um, I think it, it, it ran last, um, 17 lengths last in the class one at Taree. So I think you can understand why the stewards would call everyone in and say, hey, I've got a few questions to ask you here. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So there's that. Um, ben Mellon's cracked a rib, not riding today. Don't know whether that oh. will affect much. Uh, thanks to, to BM for texting that through. Uh, Animo's path to the... Royal Ascot, um, uh, we're basically talking about Saturday and the Apollo, which is full of um, star horses, Queen Elizabeth, and then the decision will be made to go to Royal Ascot. I think we've kind of assumed that was probably the pathway. Well, they've anyway. said it before, haven't yeah, they? That's, so anyway. that's the aim. Hey, we've got uh, Apprentice Mick who's come into the studio because uh, what a Mick does so well each and every day is that he's coming up with Twitter polls. Uh, the ones at the Brecky Club have been very good. And you've got another one for us on Racing Pulse today. What have you come up with, Mick? Yeah, the Pulse poll today is which February Group 1 is setting up to be the most exciting for you in Melbourne? So I've got four options. We've got the All This Weekend, so obviously featuring the likes of I'm Thunderstruck, Jack and O, Mr. Brightside, the Lightning Stakes next weekend. So welcome back the big names of Nature Strip and hopefully In Secret. And then the following weekend is the Blue Diamond Stakes and the Oakley Plate. So obviously the Battle of the Two-Year-Olds um, and the Oakley Plate, which is possibly where my vote's going to go, just... A lot of star horses on speed. They're going to battle for the rail. I can't wait for that one. Mm, of mm. those four, Matty? Diamond hasn't got me this year, I've got to say. Um, although it would be interesting if Nikita Berryman and, and you're, you're talking to Damien Batters, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, party for two. It's, uh, the Blue Diamond this year is fascinating. We could have horses from Queensland and WA. In a, yeah, WA is in a blue diamond. There's two horses across for the preludes from WA, yeah. which is unheard of. I, I think it's pretty much unheard of. Um, yeah, or 
I suppose. The ore. Really? Well, I'm not into the diamond this year. Um, and the Oakley Plate, well, I hope, because obviously good mates with Cindy and that crew there. Um, yeah, all right, Oakley Plate. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Oakley Plate has 38.3% of the vote so far. The Black Caviar Lightning Stakes, 24.8. The Blue Diamond, 20.6. And the Ore has got the least votes with 16.3% of the vote. All right, well, we'll get the final field for the Ore. I think it's going to be a cracking Ore on Saturday. Um, yeah, I might be leaning towards the Oakley Plate, although I'm pretty intrigued to see how Nature Strip's going to come back in this Lightning, especially... Up against I Wish I Win Cool and Gatter. Might be a small but select field, but that lightning's going to be mouth-watering yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, no, now I'm changing again. <laughs> I don't think it was on the list. Was it? Yeah, it was on the Yeah, no, I'm a light, lightning. I'd love to see In Secret and I Wish I Win. And is um, the new market uh, winner from last, uh, Mike Baroni's mayor running? Rock and uh, Horse. Rock and Horse. I'd say it will be. Oh, well, it's a big name, so it'll I don't big... think In Secret's going to go to the lightning, but Rock and Horse may well. Oh, there's no In Secret? I don't think so, no. The field's good enough anyway. It's going to go to the surround In Secret and then come this is This is the market. best time of year. A uh, couple of SMSs just to finish off with. Um, the way it's all going, no one will have any money to punt, let alone go to the races uh, with the outrageous prices we have to and pay. That, and that is part of this. Uh, I, I don't know whether they've factored that in, but cost extending it and extending the cost is is got to be part of this discussion. Yeah, don't move the cox plate. Um, it can't all be just about getting more money out of punters. That's from Tiger Glen. And um, interesting to hear eight times a year as all these horses should run. Shelby did that uh, eight weeks, uh, did that in eight weeks, 12 months ago. That's from Damo. And in he it. sort of lost his mojo afterwards. I think he has, yeah. exactly. Uh, good on you, boys. Good Maybe on you. We'll see um, you a little later in the Big V. Yeah, Big V. Uh, um, we're going to rehash some co- interesting comments from Emma Stewart yesterday yes. uh, about Captain Ravishing in America and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, lots coming up on the Big V.